Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our 402 series, Open Heart Surgery, a look at the attitudes of our heart. We hope you enjoy this message from Associate Director Megan Craig. Hey, everybody. My name is Meg Craig, and I'm super excited to get to hang out with y'all tonight. A little bit about me. I am from Houston, Texas. But in 2010, I made my way up to Central Texas um, to the best-kept secret in Texas, which is Tarleton State, as a freshman. And yeah, that's right. Tarleton's awesome. I really love it. Um, I didn't actually graduate from Tarleton, though. Sad day. Um, I graduated from Sam Houston State University. But I want to share a little bit about my sophomore year here at Tarleton. So I came into Tarleton as a freshman as a pre-vet major. My dad's dream for me was to be a vet, but that wasn't my dream for myself. I actually really um, wanted to be a teacher and didn't know it at the time, but I, I made some efforts and some moves forward. I had a really great home ec teacher when I was in high school, and so I changed my major to child and family studies with like an emphasis in a teaching certificate. And so... I was taking a child lifespan course and had a really great professor and was spending some time in that class. And we had a test coming up. It was kind of a hybrid course where we took um, mostly lecture in class, but everything else we did online. And so we had all online tests. And so girls in my class were like, why don't we all get together and we'll all take the test for one person and then we'll print off the answers after we get them. And I don't know what came over me because I never cheated in high school or junior high, and I have never cheated since. But for some reason, I was like, sure, why not? I'll join these girls. And so I went, took the test with these girls. They printed off the answers, and I went to Beans and Franks. I remember the exact table that I sat at. If you're ever there and you see me there, I can tell you what table it is because I still remember it. And I sat down to take the test and about 10 questions and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I crumpled up the paper and I like threw it away and then I finished my test. But I left those answers. And I got a B on the test, like I didn't even get an A. And I remember after that, like every single day, the weight of my decision just kept getting heavier and heavier. And the fact that I had cheated on my test and wronged my professor and wronged the Lord kept weighing on me over and over and over again. And I tried so hard to just like sweep it under the rug, like all my classmates and my friends. And they were all like, it's fine, Meg. It's fine. Everybody cheats. And I was like, no, it's not fine. My relationship with God is really broken and I cannot hear from him. And so as I'm, I'm standing, as I'm trying to spend time with God, like the weight of my decision is just on me. It's like heavy rocks on my back. And I was reading, and I was reading in Proverbs, and Proverbs 15, 8 says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. And I was like, I am wicked. I am trying to spend time with you, God, and I have cheated on this test, and because I've cheated on this test, you don't even want to hear from me. And so I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I, I resolved to go and talk to my professor. And I knew that these things that I was going to tell her could very well 
I could fail the whole class. I could be taken to, like, the dean of students for cheating. And I knew, like, there were some big consequences, but I was like, I can't do this anymore. I want to be right with God. And so I went to my professor. I sat down in her office. I, I went up to her, and I said, I need to tell you that I cheated on this test. And it was a couple exams before. So, like, that's how long of a time frame this has been. And I am so sorry. I'm ready to receive the full consequences of my actions. There were some other people that partook in this, but I am not going to sell them out. Like, that's not why I came to you. I came to just talk about me. And she was like, I really appreciate you coming to me. I'm going to give you a zero on the test. And I was like, okay. She was like, just please don't do it again. But thank you for coming and talking to me about it. And I was like, will you please forgive me? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, well, I left and the weight of my decision had like fallen off and the forgiveness that she had given me and just going to her in humility had really helped me um, and my relationship with God. And so I finished the semester. Everything was fine. I passed the class actually with a B. It was really nice. I was surprised. Um, but man, have you guys ever had a time like that in your life? Maybe not necessarily cheating on a test, but perhaps it's with a friend that you wronged, that maybe you told them a lie, or your parents. Maybe it was your parents that you, you stole from them. Maybe you took money from them, or you told them a lie, or maybe you yelled at them and said mean and hateful things. Has there ever been somebody in your life that you've wronged? If you're just joining us this week, we have been going through a semester's through a semester, sorry. This semester, we have been going through a series called Open Heart Surgery. And the things that we have been talking about are things like um, open and honest relationships and things like giving and receiving scriptural correction. And tonight, we're going to talk about how God wants us to clear up our relationships. And so, Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew 5. Everything's going to be up on the screen tonight, but um, Matthew 5 is pretty much where we're going to be anchored. And so um, if you're new to us or new to the Bible, the Bible is divided up into two parts. The Old Testament, which is the story of God's people and how they obeyed him, and then also how they disobeyed him and this back and forth that they went with God. And the New Testament is the story of God's chosen people, or of how God redeems his chosen people. And excuse me, I'm going to take a drink of water because I have a cold. Of God's chosen people um, and how he has redeemed them and rescued them through Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be in Matthew 5. Everything is going to be up on the screen tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and read this out to you all, though. But I tell you, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And so... You may be wondering, what, what does this all mean? Basically, if you have wronged somebody, before you go to God, go and be reconciled with that person. Go and ask forgiveness. So they were talking about going and offering this sacrifice. 
So Jesus is talking to this crowd of Jewish people, much like I'm talking to you, except for I'm not Jesus. And he is talking to them, and they would understand what it meant to take an offering, take a sacrifice. And it basically meant that they were taking this animal to the temple to be slaughtered so that blood was shed to cover over their brokenness and their sin. And so what Jesus is telling these people who have been doing this for thousands of years, okay, he's saying, you're going to the altar, you hit your brother last week, leave your gift there, go and make amends with your brother, and then go back and give your gift, your offering to God, which is so counterintuitive. When I read this, for the, when I read this to, to prepare to teach y'all, I was like, what the heck? Am I interpreting this right? And it's because it's so unique and so different from what we would think God would ask of us. We would think God would say, come to me first, I'll fix everything, and then go talk to them. But that's not what he's wanting. God has already said, if you have tension in a relationship, if you or somebody who um, maybe God has spoken to you already and has said, like, hey, you've wronged this person, and you keep trying to go back to God to try to fix it, he doesn't want that. He wants you to go to that person and mend that relationship. Um, um, so God has created space in our lives for us to clear up relationships. And um, clearing up relationships requires humility, guys. It is not easy. Going to somebody that you have wronged is so hard. How many of you are just like, oh, yeah, I'll totally go up to somebody I wronged and just be like, hey, I'm sorry, man. Most of us wouldn't just walk up to somebody that we did something wrong to. It takes a huge buildup. And it requires humility of us. Generally, we hurt people because we're trying to protect ourselves, okay? We are trying to self-preserve ourselves, and we need to be selfless and throw out our pride and walk in humility. Sometimes clearing up relationships, though, isn't just about when we wrong somebody else. It can also be when somebody's wronged us, when somebody has hurt us, they've said mean things to us. Maybe they hurt us by crossing some boundary lines that they shouldn't ever have. It could be a deep childhood wound. You could be carrying around bitterness and anger towards somebody because of the way that they hurt you. Clearing up relationships isn't just when you wrong somebody, but also when someone wrongs you. And so maybe... This clearing up of a relationship is approaching a parent who has said some things to you in childhood that really messed with your identity. Or maybe it's going to your roommate who um, keeps saying the same thing over and over and over to you, even though you've told them that it hurts your feelings. Guys, forget... Clearing up a relationship requires humility, and humility brings about forgiveness. Humility brings forgiveness into our lives. And we have to be willing to approach the people 
that we have wronged. We have to be willing to approach the people who have wronged us. Colossians 3.12 talks about this. It says, Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I'm going to read that again. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, the Bible gives us exactly what we need to clear up our relationships. Because compassion brings about kindness. And kindness turns into humility. And humility transforms into patience or to gentleness, sorry. And gentleness brings about patience in our lives so that when we approach somebody who has hurt us or when we talk to someone who has wronged us or we have wronged them, we know exactly how to walk through that conversation with them with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. And all of these things lead us to forgiveness. The next verse right after Colossians 3.12 says, Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. So what this is saying is that when we accept one another, another version says bearing with one another. It means to hold on to, to stand firm, to press into that hard, agonizing, really deep struggle of going to that person who's wronged you or who you've wronged. It means going alongside them and recognizing that we're not the only ones in life struggling. There are other people that struggle too. And it's picking up their, another side of their burden and helping them carry that. It's not throwing the burden on your own back and carrying it because that's really unhealthy, but it's helping them carry their struggles. See, when we have wronged somebody or somebody has wronged us, when we help them pick up that and we help them walk in that, we can forgive and they can forgive. See, the second part of Colossians 3.13 says, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So humility brings about forgiveness just as Christ has forgiven us. And this forgiveness brings about reconciliation. So humility brings about forgiveness, and forgiveness brings about reconciliation. And just like what Colossians 3.13 says, if, you don't, if that's not enough to see that Jesus has forgiven us and we are to forgive others, then let's take a look at Matthew 6, because it also talks about that. So Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And so he says to them in this prayer that he's teaching them, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So forgive us, Lord, as we also forgive others. So it's not just going to God all the time and going, God, forgive me, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. It's also going, Lord, I'm forgiving this person. Lord, teach me how to forgive them. Lord, help me to forgive. See, forgiveness brings reconciliation. And that hurt or that anger from that past relationship or maybe that person who led you on, guys, all of those things 
Forgiveness brings reconciliation with other people. And reconciliation isn't something to be taken lightly. So when I think about forgiveness, I often think about a sunburn. How many of you have gotten a sunburn before? Me, yeah, like every summer, it's like a rite of passage for the summer. Like it's the way to get a tan, I don't know. Um, But guys, forgiveness is like aloe vera on a sunburn. So when you take aloe vera and you put it on your sunburn, it cools and it heals and it refreshes your body. And that's what forgiveness is like in a relationship. Forgiveness brings about a coolness and a refreshing to those relationships that are broken and wounded. When we forgive just as Christ forgave us, we get to be a part of Christ's reconciliation with the world. 2 Corinthians states, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You see, Christ knew what it meant to be reconciled. He understood what forgiveness took, because Christ came from heaven this perfect place where everything was wonderful and holy and awesome. And he came down to our broken earth to be with us broken people. And he lived an amazing life. He was compassionate and kind. He healed people. He fed people. He taught them what it meant to follow God. But he also understood what it meant to be hurt by others to be wronged by them. He was mocked. He was told lies about. He was beaten and he was tortured. Also that he could bring out about a ministry of reconciliation. Also that he could bring us into a relationship with him. You see, I, can you pull up 2 Corinthians again? Um, go to verse 18. I love this part. Sorry, 19, one more. I love this part when it says, not counting their trespasses against them. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us, but bringing us into a place of forgiveness. Perhaps you're here tonight, and you have a lot of anger, and a lot of brokenness and hurt, and a lot of wounds from others. Or maybe you've been the one to wound others because you're hurting so deeply. Man, can I tell you that Jesus Christ has made a way so that you can have a healing and healthy life, so that you can be reconciled to him, so that you can be fulfilled, not by your own doing or not by things of the world, but because he fulfills you. You see, Jesus Christ made a way so that you can have a relationship with God through his death and resurrection. 
And so if you want that, if you want a relationship with God, it's so easy. All you need to do is simply humble yourself and be willing to talk to God and say, God, I need you. I am a broken person. And I can't do this on my own. And I know that you need to be Lord of, the life, Lord of my life. And so I want you to be Lord of my life. And that's it. And then follow him, which is also the kind of challenging part. But there's people here to help you. And so we want to help you with that. And we want to see God do things in your life. And so if that's something that you want, I would encourage you to fill out a connection card. Um, but perhaps you're here tonight and you're already a follower of Christ. And some of the things I've said tonight about people wronging you or you wronging other people, maybe that's ringing in your ears because you're thinking about that person that you said those words to or that parent that you've shut out of your life or that roommate that won't do the dishes and you keep getting more and more angry at them. What would it take for you this week to go and clear up that relationship? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to go and talk to that parent or that friend or that family member and forgive them? What would our world look like and our weeks look like if we lived a life of reconciliation? If we lived a life that was full of going to people and clearing up relationships instead of keeping these long accounts where we're just constantly putting bitterness and anger into our hearts or where we're constantly wronging other people? What would it look like to keep our accounts short and constantly clear up those relationships with our friends? or our parents, or our family members? What would our relationship with others look like if we were quick to clear up and forgive and be reconciled with others and with Christ? Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TarletonBSM. See you next time.